everyone. My name is uh, Luke John-Louis, the host of the Deep Voice Man Show. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, we're in for a treat today. <laughs> our, our guest is Dr. Joe Perez, and uh, we're very fortunate to have Dr. Perez here. He's a very busy man, so he was able to carve out some time in his packed schedule to sit down and have a chat with us. He is someone who is a senior systems analyst and a certified IT professional, and he is uh, an international keynote speaker. Uh, he is someone who has spoken to uh, and given speeches at dozens of conferences every year all over the world, and he also has 13,000 followers on uh, LinkedIn, and he also received the 2021 Thought Leader of the Year Award from Industry Insights, so he's a man who knows his stuff when it comes to IT and all things related to IT. So we're very lucky to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Perez. And I guess to start off, can you tell us, uh, you know, about yourself and uh, and how you first gravitated towards doing what you uh, do today? Absolutely, Lewis. Um, and be, before I do that, I wanted to thank you for such a kind and gracious introduction and. And thank you for having me on your program, sir. Actually, I'm the one who feels honored. You you were so kind and gracious to say that. Um, so uh, as to your question, uh, well, uh, I, I have a, a bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees in education. And my first career was as an educator. I stayed in that career for 10 years. Um, before I started my current career in the information technology space. Now, although it was, it, it isn't the primary focus of my job today, that is education, I feel like I never stopped being an educator, you know. <laughs> I just I just leveraged it as I morphed into the IT world where I've learned to thrive over the last 30 years or so. Okay, the first 25 years of that, the, the IT part of my career, uh, was at NC State University. Go Pack, no shameless plug or anything there, right? <laughs> um, I, I rose up through the ranks there. started off as a computer consultant, uh, then analyst programmer, then computer training manager. And my final um, role was business intelligence specialist. Um, it was at that point... I was recruited away from the university, uh, this group of amazing people at the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. I'll call them DHHS for short. That's what everybody says. It's a lot easier to say than the, you know, what the acronym stands for. Um, but anyhow, right. they, uh, yeah, <laughs> they, um, they made me an offer that I simply could not refuse, Luke. I mean, it was, uh, it was a major promotion um, and the best possible move, really, for my career, uh, but more importantly, for my family, because that means, you know, family is more important than anything. And so quite a few doors have opened up for me in the last five years or so that I've been at DHHS. Um, since I came on board, I have been promoted again. Now I'm senior systems analyst and team lead, as you mentioned. Um, so here's the way all that fits together over the last 40 years. Okay. Uh, as you asked, you know, how did I get to where I am now? Well, it all fits. Um, I've always, always had an interest in communicating knowledge, all right? I, I have this overwhelming passion for doing so, okay? And, and um, part of that communication and education 
included an understanding of the educational process itself. You know, that entails not only knowing your material, that's the thing you're teaching, but more importantly, knowing your audience. Those are the people, the students whom you're teaching. Okay. Another part of that includes knowing um, how to make connections with multiple senses of your audience. You know, the more senses you involve in the communication process and in the learning process, the deeper and the wider those connections become, okay, and, and the, the deeper the learning experience becomes and the more, the longer they're going to retain it. All right, a major part of making that happen is doing so in a visually compelling manner. All right, all that translates really nicely into technology and data, which, again, that's the space I'm in now. Um, it started off, the data, the, the technology thing, started off as a side gig, you might call it, um, that I had, it was during the last six years of my teaching career. Um, well, it was actually in the form of my taking on increasingly responsible IT-related jobs during the summer months. And that was simply to, well, <laughs> supplement my teaching income from the school year because, you know, teachers, uh, they don't make enough money. <laughs> Um, at least I didn't, but but anyhow, that really was good to supplement the income. So actually, there, there was a bigger tie to IT. You can see that my minor for my master's degree was actually in computers. So each summer, I got better and better at what I was doing in IT, and that spilled over into my actually <laughs> running the computer lab at the school uh, during my last year of teaching. And then when the IT-related job at NC State presented itself, well, it was the, it was the perfect marriage of both technology right. and education, okay? So those summer jobs that I had, those last six years, those last six summers, that actually helped turn this whole thing into a full-time second career. And that's the more thing that I'm talking about to, um, uh, to IT. Okay. As I rose up through the ranks at the university, um, that whole time I'm leveraging, you know, the communication and instructional design skills, actually the um, uh, my superiors, the, the leadership there that recognized this, leveraged it by getting to put together all the training programs for my department and also getting to speak at university workshops and conferences that were mainly focused on the data reporting solutions that my team designed, all right? Now, this whole thing dovetails into something else because it ignited another passion within me, and that's the passion for the reporting of data since, again, it touches all those hot buttons that I mentioned, you know, and, and, and comes perfectly into my current role at DHHS because I'm beginning to spearhead some exciting, really exciting business intelligence and data, data analytics initiatives at DHHS. And that even uh, dovetails into my fast-growing side gig of conference speaker that you mentioned in the introduction. Um, conference speaker, well, now international keynote speaker. You know, what, what started off as just a few local events totally housed within the university those 20 of the 25 years I was there has now literally exploded, literally exploded, Luke, into my speaking at dozens of conferences, as you mentioned. You know, they're wow. hosted by venues in countries pretty much on every inhabited continent on this planet. Uh, it, it, it just blows me away. By, by the end of this year, I will have expanded my reach into more than 20 countries. Um, I speak on topics like actionable data, facilitating innovation, integrity and leadership, 
bringing data to life, uh, rethinking your professional development strategy in your company, um, effective data storytelling, driving decisions with data, uh, even I've got one on avoiding death by PowerPoint. <laughs> the long and short of it is I love what I do, Luke, and even though I get pretty tired, I don't get tired of it. You know, I'm just tired because there's so much to do. I'm just not tired of it. And on a personal note, I teach a men's Bible class, and I direct the music in my church's Spanish ministry, and I publish a monthly newsletter called The Patriot News for my church's yellow ribbon ministry to the military. So it is a very busy life, um, but as my tagline says, and as people will hear me say in my speeches, uh, if I'm not innovating, I'm stagnating. So I keep moving, and I just love what I do, just loving life. Wow. That is uh, simply amazing, and thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, yes, sir. You know, just simply incredible. So, you know, it, the story, it, it's so impressive to me because, you know, I could feel your passion in your voice when you talk about what you love. You know, I love having guests who come on and speak about what they're passionate about because you can feel that passion. You know, it's amazing. And oh, yeah. what You know, it, it, it's interesting to me because, you know, for me, speaking – you know, you're you're a speaker. You've been to 20 countries speaking at all these conferences. I, it, for me, public speaking, you know, I get nervous when I'm in front of a crowd. And I don't know how it was for you, but um, you know, <laughs> I uh, I would. But you know, but when you're talking about what you love, you can go on and on for hours. So I, I, oh, I, I think that helps you to right. It helps you to allay those nerves if you have those nerves when you're talking about something that you yeah. actually like. You it know. does. That's just it. I'm uh, even to this day. Um, I am nervous in the sense that, oh, my gosh, if this is a topic that I'm not quite as familiar with or if it's something that I had to shift in order to meet the needs of the conference, the topic, the theme or whatnot, and I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm slightly outside of my wheelhouse, then, yeah, the uh, I do get nervous. But having done this for, you know, almost 40 years now, um, you, you kind of put – you have to set that aside and think, you're just talking to people. Um, it's just me and them. And I, uh, you know, I take that as a huge responsibility. And, and yeah, while the, while the nerves are there, um, the, the better prepared that I am and uh, the more, again, as you mentioned, the passion for the subject – uh, it just flows naturally and by the grace of God. And, and that's the other thing I pray <laughs> that God will give me the strength and the grace to, to not blow up or, or clam up or, or, um, uh, or get totally, uh, you know, uh, uh, totally nerve wracked so that I can't go on, you know? So again, it's by the grace of God, somehow I make it. And experience is a lot both experience in the topic and experience in doing it. And also the passion that you mentioned that does uh, uh, help me to be more comfortable with with what I'm talking about. So that that tends to um, alleviate uh, a lot of the nervousness. Amazing. And, you know, it's interesting that you first you started off as a teacher. You did that for a number of years. Yes. And now then you moved into IT. But in in many ways, you never stopped being a teacher. Right. Because as a teacher, you have to speak in front of students. Right. And you're still mm-hmm. teaching, uh, but the only That's difference exactly is you're right. getting paid more. 
right. Well, and that's the other thing. I view everything with a teacher's heart, you know, uh, every whether I'm talking in a meeting or I'm uh, giving a keynote or I just got a one-on-one or when I'm teaching my class, you know, I, I'm going to view everything as an educational experience, and I'm going to keep that in the forefront of my thinking. Um, and and it does it does affect the way I talk and the way I present things. Always looking for the opportunity to share something that will help somebody be better off when I'm through talking with them than they were when they walked into the room. That's the way it needs to be in my book. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> well, that's a fabulous, uh, you know, mentality and methodology when it comes to teaching. You want to leave someone better off than before you met them. And so, you know, I think that's incredible. And, you know, I loved how you talked about how you got that, um, that offer that you couldn't refuse from a D- DHS. And mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes in life, God opens doors for you and, and uh, you know, through the grace of God, you were able to get that incredible opportunity, to and that kind of helped you as a stepping stone to be, to you know, to bigger and better things and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's amazing. You talked about going to uh, several different countries and several different continents. I'm sure that you've been to some amazing hotels and <laughs> yeah. have seen amazing places, I'm sure. Yes, sir. You know, while you've been to those countries, I'm sure in between giving speeches, you're allowed to perhaps, you know, visit, uh, you know, uh, you know, places and explore and, 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 and tour around. And, you know, that's my dream to travel the world and to go to different places and to study the history and go to these different continents and whatnot. So you're definitely, you know, obviously living the life uh, that many would envy and admire and whatnot. So, I, you know, I think that's incredible. And, well, you know, that's I very you kind that. of you to say. You got it. And, you know, it's interesting. You talked about your faith. You know, uh, there's a gentleman uh, whose books I read often, uh, John Maxwell. You may be familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know he, him personally, but I, I, know who, I know who he is. Right. Okay. Brilliant thought so, leader. Yeah. Right he talks about how his faith helps him to be who he is and to be successful. And uh, he mm-hmm. often talks about his faith in his books. I'm sure you're aware of. And so uh, there is something to that, you know? Yes, sir. Um, and absolutely. So, uh, you know, I think if you find this commonality among many successful people, you know, their faith in God. And I, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I think um, there, there definitely is, something to that from all the, you know, from what I've learned from all the guests that I've had on the show and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it certainly so, is an integral part. It certainly is an integral part for me because uh, the way I view it, uh, any, any good, any success, any accolades um, that, that you see in me, it's only because of the blessing of the Lord, my God upon my life. And um, you know, I'm, uh, I make no bones about it. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to ram it down anybody's throat, but at the same time, I'm not going to be ashamed of it either. So, you know, I figure if um, uh, if if I can be man enough to stand up for what I feel is right, I ought to be man enough not to be afraid or ashamed of uh, of the faith, which is a gift of God anyway. So uh, acknowledging and giving credit where credit is due and, you know, that that. In and of itself, that can keep me humble, knowing that, you know, they think I'm a great person. Well, I'm not. I'm just an ordinary person trying to do 
ordinary things, perhaps in an extraordinary manner, because I serve and believe in an extraordinary God, or an omnipotent God, I should say. And and he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ever ask or think, as a verse in the Bible says that I love. Um, and, you know, he blesses me beyond measure so much more than I could possibly deserve. So the least I could do is reflect back credit where credit is due rather than try to get it all for myself and run around with a big old swollen ego, some big diva who thinks that I am that I'm all that. And I go around with a swelled head, with a swollen head, and an even more swollen ego, and then I get arrogant and vain, and it's going to be reflected in my attitude towards other people, and it's going to be reflected in coming across like some big shot know-it-all, which I'm not. Um, you know, that's and, and, and having a higher motivation and a higher power to answer to, that's the thing that not only keeps me humble, um, it also it keeps everything in perspective in, in knowing that uh, it I, I haven't been able to do it on my own. This is far more than I ever deserve and far more than I could ever achieve without the blessing of God in my life. So, yeah, I agree with you 100 percent, 100 percent, Luke, because um, um, it's it's the bedrock of my life is my faith in God. Wow. You know, it, it's interesting. And, you know, I loved a lot of what you said that you don't consider yourself a know-it-all and, you know, you have that humility and it's, you know, what I've learned is that leaders are readers. They're always having, they always have that thirst for knowledge. They never get to a point where they mm. think they, they know everything. Right. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> That's the way it should yeah. be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And about humility. No, once you, once you think you've got it, you've lost it. So I, I can certainly, there, believe me, there are times that I could use more humility. So, you know, it's times when, you know, things happen that kind of deflate my ego and kind of help me to keep it in check. So uh, I have definitely not arrived when it comes to humility, because I'll be honest with you, if anybody's, you know, if you ever see me on stage or whatnot, I am definitely one of the biggest hams you'll ever see. But, <laughs> but no, I, I yeah, I, I try to be humble, but I, I could use more of it, that's for sure. Absolutely. And it's interesting. You mentioned before uh, about stagnating versus innovating and growing. And, you know, I was reading, I do a lot of reading and they were saying that something's either growing or it's dying, you know, and, mm-hmm. so, and exactly. uh, so I think you, you feel obviously feel the same way when it comes to acquiring knowledge. And what yes, I do, you know, absolutely. Yeah. You know, they say biology or marine biologists tell us that the Mako shark uh, has to keep moving forward or it drowns. And I feel I need to do the same thing, moving forward, improving, learning something new, seeking to do a thing better tomorrow than I did it today, and certainly better than yesterday. I don't always hit that mark, but uh, it's, it is um, it is definitely a driving force within me. So, um, yeah, I don't want to drown like the Mako shark. <laughs> Absolutely, and I love that shark analogy. I was about to bring it up, but you you, you took you, you did it before no, me. No. <laughs> Great minds think alike. Wow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And um, you know, you always talked about being busy, um, but mm-hmm. obviously, you love being busy. And there are those people that just love being busy and sitting around. They get bored and they can't they can't do it. You know, what I mean, there are folks that when they retire, they they die right away because yes. they. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm, I'm not saying that would be the case with you, but oh, you know, no, no, they, right, right. 
because people, there are people out there who just love to work and, and, yeah. and God bless them uh, because we all gain from their immense uh, productivity. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Amen so, to that. Amen to that. And so that's absolutely. So I'm curious now, uh, you know, obviously you know quite a great deal about IT, but of course you're still learning. You're still a teacher and also a, a student as well at the same time. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious, uh, what, how would you describe the current state of affairs when it comes to IT um, and what challenges, if any, has the pandemic imposed? Oh wow, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that that that's a hot button with me because, you know, I, I think the pandemic has made both organizations and people see the need to adopt a more agile mindset. Okay, um, you know, it's I guess it's been said that. Oh, what are they, the, what uh, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Well, I, I agree with that. Necessity is the mother of invention. If that's true, then crisis is the father of innovation. Okay, <laughs> you know, we 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 we're, we're creatures of habit, right? And um, I don't know. Sometimes we're we're reluctant to change, right? We, we tend to want to stay in our own little comfort zones because I don't know. Maybe we're afraid that if we start venturing out into the unknown we might just fail, okay? I, I see that. I see that as a huge challenge, you know, that of thinking outside the box. Because, you see, Luke, the, the, the introduction of any disruptor is going to stir up the status quo. You know what? I think that's a good thing. You know, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing like a global pandemic to stir up things, right? You know, to, to make people think twice about the status quo, and, you know, COVID-19 has had a way of making us all second-guess our strategies. You know, get, getting people to realize that, that's the challenge. Because, see, w- w- with that in mind, as far as the state of affairs is concerned, well, people have had to pivot. I'm talking, you know, because of the pandemic, as it all kind of uh, uh, relates to this, right? People have had to pivot. pivot. Organizations have had to pivot, both strategically and tactically, you know, both in their – in their ideals and in their their practice, okay? Um, a shift to, say, a more agile mentality that, that often comes with a, with a shift to a more remote mobile workforce, as we've seen in the IT world, you know, um, makes leveraging your technological stance, your infrastructure capacity, and, and, and whatever forward-thinking plans you might have, uh, into a strategy that's constantly looking for ways to improve. We have to be that way. I mean, that, it, it, it's the realization that this new post-COVID-19 normal, you know, is, is to be expected. Okay, uh, these are the types of, to use another overused term, paradigm shifts that true leaders, true innovators should, I don't know, they should always be willing to embrace. And that's true whether you consider yourself to be at the forefront of the IT industry or not. Okay, again, about the, the Mako shark, the great white is just like it. The great white, that's another one, just like the Mako. Another type of shark that must keep swimming in a forward motion or it's going to drown. So you have to keep moving forward or you'll, you die. <laughs> one of my most popular keynote topics actually is on this very theme. Okay, you'll love the title. It's Facilitating Innovation in a Post-COVID World. 
And and in that talk, I, I remind my audience of, of something I believe in very firmly. You know, what I was saying earlier, that, that saying that I gave you, if you're not innovating, you're stagnating, okay? So, yeah, I believe the pandemic has caused us all to challenge our current way of thinking, our, our current way of doing things. You know, we've had no choice but to pivot. And I say again, that is a good thing. You talk about challenge. I think adversity creates challenge. Challenge creates opportunity. Opportunity creates innovation, and innovation creates growth, right? It's all in how you look at it, Luke. It's all in how you deal with it, not just look at it. You deal with it, right? Rise to the challenge. Um, And by the grace of God, you might just come out on top. That's how I see the current state, and that's how I think the pandemic kind of, uh, you know, dovetails into it and affects it. Wow. Thank you, you know, for that wonderful answer. And it's it's interesting. It reminds me of a saying that, you know, life is, you know, uh, know, 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond. Yes, uh, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond. That's that is right. exactly. I thought you were going to say life. There's nothing but a box of chocolate, you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to yeah. channel your inner force Gump or something. No, no, I'm teasing. But yeah, no, you're right. No you, you can't you, you can't control what happens. You can control how you react, how you respond. Absolutely agree with you 100. Yes. percent Yes. And you know it's interesting. Um, because, but you mentioned that word pivot and. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've heard that word often, and, you know, I've had business coaches on as guests, and they tell me how, you know, some businesses kind of, uh, you know, went out of business, right? Right. And, but other types of businesses that were in the same category were able to change and adapt and were able to actually survive, in some cases, thrive yeah. in spite of the circumstances. Right. Exactly. The ones that don't, don't, and the ones that do make it, you know. Yeah, right. I mean, it's always yeah. it's always been that way. The the the, the uh, COVID, or the the pandemic, whatever term you want to use for it, that right. just simply brought it into sharp focus. That just simply um, ripped away whatever shards, whatever I don't know, whatever um, right. superficial coverings that we might have had, whatever facade. That's the word I'm looking for. I'm a speaker and I can't speak. I forgot the word facade. Yeah, it rips away the facade that that we put on it. You know, uh, having to pivot in order to survive and move forward and progress. That has always been true, pandemic or no pandemic. The pandemic just brought it into sharp relief and made us see, well, dang, if we don't, uh, we're not going to make it. And we realized, well, you know what? That's the way we should have been. Do- we should have been adopt. We should have had this agile mindset. We should have had this innovative thought process from the very from the very beginning. And I think in that sense, it has benefited all of us who have come to that realization, or those of us who already knew it and just was given a, a perfect, terrible but perfect storm example and, and way to um, uh, to put that belief in the practice. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's incredible because we've seen this happen before in the past. You know, mm-hmm. after the Great Depression, or I believe uh, during Great Depression, a lot of great businesses uh, and firms were created, believe it or not. Yes. And, exactly. Uh, so, and that was a, a time of great upheaval and calamity 
and whatnot, and it, it birthed all this innovation. And I'm sure the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're seeing that now because what's happening is so many people realize that they don't want to work for someone else. They want to work for themselves. And we see so many people starting businesses and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. wanting to have a lifestyle where they stay at home and, and making that work and whatnot. So it has led to a lot of change, but I think a lot of positive change. And, you know, there, there was a, I used to tell people that in, in the Chinese language, the character for crisis also included opportunity. And um, Ooh, so, I love that. That's cool. Yes. Yes. Um, but then I found out that that may not be correct, but I still love saying it anyway. So oh, yeah. it, is, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. You may not be able to pronounce it. You may not even be able to draw it. It'll take you 10 minutes to draw the character, but, you know, it still sounds good, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think there's a lot of truth to it that the pandemic just brought mm-hmm. that that uh, that idea, that concept um, you know, in, in sharp focus. So that's absolutely true. I totally agree with you on that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious now, you know, obviously mm-hmm. uh, you gave us a, a snapshot of how things are currently, but uh, where do you see things going in the future with IT? And where, where do you see yourself in that future? Let me look into my crystal ball. Uh, no, <laughs> I have no crystal ball. <laughs> I am no prognosticator, but I, I can say, um, you know, past uh, past performance is no indicator of future results. <laughs> they say that all the time when you're buying stock or whatever. Um, all I can, you know, from my perspective, right, at, at DHHS, working for the government, uh, and I've been, you go, well, as I kind of implied as we were talking about it, um, I've been working for the government now for more than 30 years, okay? And um, from what I've seen, as more robust data gathering, storage, and reporting methods evolve, um, as quality improves and costs continue to drop, and I'm not talking about the automotive industry, nor am I talking about gas prices or whatever. I'm, I'm speaking in, in, in the realm of IT, okay? Uh, as we're able to recruit, not just recruit, but also retain um, highly talented and skilled individuals who who know how to use this increasingly sophisticated set of tools to work with these ever-increasing mountains of data, I do believe that we, and I'm talking we in, in government, because, again, that's my perspective, um, will position ourselves for greater efficiency in serving the public. Uh, and that's key because of the caricature of government workers and the caricature of government services, which is if they're used to things being inefficient, well, where where will you point to? You will point to government. Oh, yeah, how many government workers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Uh, six. One to screw in the light bulb and the other five to stand around and watch or make a committee or pass a law about it or whatever. You know, and, and I want to change that that perspective, that uh, uh, that perception, I should say. Um, and, and, I, and I think we're seeing that because, uh, you know, we, we're held accountable, um, ever decrease, you know, increasing sophistication of tools, increasing uh, amounts of data, uh, but decreasing numbers of dollars that are available to spend on all that. And therefore, uh, you know, we in, who work in government need to ensure that that money is spent wisely. Okay, five years ago, 
Who would have dreamed that you could renew your car's license tag online with an interface that makes you think you're exchanging text messages with a friend? Okay, uh, who, who would have dreamed that you could pull up a map of the state, on, uh, of, the state of North Carolina, in my, in my case, um, on, on your phone? And at a glance, you could see the overall trends for wastewater monitoring, COVID cases, vaccinations, hospitalizations, uh, uh, testing, and, and a whole slew of other things that you can view at either the, the state level, county level, or even the city level. So what I see, maybe in the next five to ten years, an expansion of all that, you know, interfacing with uh, virtual reality or enhanced reality, uh, augmented reality. Um, in the next five, ten years, maybe with the ever-increasing use of smart sensors, um, smart, smart houses, smart appliances, smart cars, and even I mean, uh, smart streets, right, all contributing to an exponential rise in the gathering of data. And, and the computing power also rising, along with reporting capability and sophistication from all these, and I'm talking about all the IoT, they write these sensors and things, okay? I foresee things like you being able to get nearly instantaneous traffic reports on your car's built-in GPS, for instance, uh, for rerouting and more efficient traffic flow. Heck, it might even be on a uh, a heads-up holographic three-dimensional display on your windshield or something, you know. Um, how that processing can help um, uh, process health and human service benefits more efficiently. Um, create a shopping list with a couple of taps on your phone after it reads the inventory from your fridge. Heck, it may not even be your phone anymore. It might be some device that's implanted uh, in the in the temple of your uh, of your eyeglasses, if you wear glasses, you know, uh, and it won't be like the the clunky Google gla or whatever whatever it's called now, um, you know, uh, uh, better crowd control and ticket processing in stadiums, um, uh, more efficient and safer exercise and practice regimens for for student athletes that'll be tailored to their individual genetic profile, okay, um, law enforcement being deployed to areas where crime is more likely to happen, uh, more efficient allocation and distribution of public utilities, uh, secure, accurate voting for public officials, rapid reporting of the results, okay, you know, all of these things and more, many more, and I'm sure, you know, again, since I don't have a crystal ball, right, yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I'm just spitballing here, okay. All of that is possible, I believe, in large part, because of being able to gather, handle, process, move, report, predict, uh, summarize, <laughs> aggregate, distribute, and, and, and show data more and more efficiently. Um, it has been said that with more information comes more power, right? Um, but, you know, I think it might, it, it, and it really needs to include better use of that information, not just information itself. And we'll have a greater capacity to do so as time, but a greater, you know, increasing capacity to do so. And to the extent that both government, in my case, and also private industry, I, I got to include them too, you know, because that's that's a huge segment, right? A bigger segment uh, can continue to lead the way in making progress in this area. You know, uh, spearheading more initiatives. Uh, capitalizing on more opportunities, that's where the rubber meets the road. Now, as for my own future, 
personally, <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to retire as chief analytics officer in my organization, but, you know, uh, it's going to take a few more promotions for me to get there. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, though, I just want to keep blazing the trail and, and, and showing the way for those behind me, you know, and, and encouraging them that it's worth the trouble through all this. Okay, where, where does the human element stand in all this? Well, through all this, I want to encourage people that it's worth the trouble to still keep doing your best while still challenging others to break out of their comfort zone, go the extra mile, and simply blow away the status quo. That's where I see the future. Well, excellent, and I'm, and I'm sure you're going to get those promotions. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and thank you so much for uh, painting that picture. You talked a lot about how quality is going to go up. Uh, data, which we already have a lot of, is going to go up. Uh, and the, mm -hmm. but there's going to be a lot more talented people. Uh, and, and costs are going to go down. And uh, you, you talked about how technology is going to continue to march forward and advance. And, and, and you talked about the interface and whatnot. And, you know, you, you mentioned also license tags and how that, you know, it yeah. is, is, <laughs> can be done in a way that wasn't done before, right, and in the previous generations. And, uh, you know, it, it, you also have virtual Long lines of the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, you have that increase in efficiency and time-saving and money-saving as well with technology. So, um, you know, we, we take technology for granted, you know. And, um, that's right. You know, but it wasn't too, you know it wasn't too long ago when people. I remember a time when people didn't have cell phones. Now everyone has a smartphone. You know, um, <laughs> it's uh, that's right. You know, and uh, eventually we're going to get to a point where we have driverless uh, cars. You know, I don't know when mm -hmm. that's coming out. So uh, with Elon Musk and, and, and Tesla, you know, um, and uh, and obviously he represents that private uh, sphere. And and um, but you also talked about how government. You know, government always gets ragged on and made fun of, but it will eventually become more efficient. Um, so it doesn't take six people to, to fix, <laughs> change the <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so the, we'd all would love that. I think uh, everyone in that, uh, wherever they fall in the political spectrum, of course, having a more efficient government uh, that's leaner and, right. and more effective. So, uh, you know, so I, I believe, you know, what you painted out um, is a, it's an interesting picture. You know, and, um, you know, we rely on technology for so many things, but also the information, you know, we, we used to call it, or I, I still, I think we still do the information age. And it's interesting how you can go mm -hmm. online and because uh, there used to be a time when you, you, you had to visit a public library and read an encyclopedia. Yeah, I still remember those days, you know. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, mommy, what's an that. encyclopedia? <laughs> People don't even know what it is anymore. Yeah. I'm sure people don't. There used to be people who would sell encyclopedias door to door, but yeah. that's over. I'm sure that's finished. And, you know, they had to pivot, I'm sure. <laughs> so, you know, so, uh, but all this information is so widely accessible. You know, everyone in, in, the, in their phone, in their pocket, has all the information available to them, uh, you know, that previous generations had, had very little access to. So right. um, it, it's just amazing, you know, how you can just go online and, and go on Google and get an answer to a question, lickety-split, you know. So, you know, all that information just at your fingertips and whatnot, uh, you know. I, I, I find it to be incredible, and you have all these young people growing up with all this technology. And, 
you know, they, they have <laughs> right. no idea what we went through, you know. So Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> so Memorizing yeah. all the 50 capitals of the 50 states and uh, yeah. the countries of Europe and so forth without being able to Google it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's absolutely incredible um, how technology marches on and advances and whatnot and is, is making the world a, in many ways a smaller place. And, you know, it's through technology um, that I was able to meet you, of course. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I, uh, I befriended someone on LinkedIn who introduced me to you via email. <laughs> yeah. So we've never met face-to-face. -face no, we've never met face-to-face, -face. not yet anyway. I, I hope right. that will change sure. at some point. <laughs> but, but yeah, right. technology, that's right. That's how you meet people. There's no way you, you mentioned my 13,000-plus. Uh, actually, I'm getting close to 14,000. There's no way I could have met that many people in person in all these different locations and places. In, in, impossible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and it's interesting, you know, with technology, how it helps to build uh, relationships and helps to maintain relationships and whatnot. So um, mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, so LinkedIn to me is a, a, a godsend. I love LinkedIn. And, oh, um, I do too. Yeah. yeah. So I, I find myself, the older I get, more on LinkedIn than I am on Facebook. You know? right. So. <laughs> right. Same here. <laughs> In, uh, in yeah. our personal lives, uh, my wife and I, in, in our personal lives, we're on Facebook a whole lot. But in my professional capacity, I'm almost exclusively LinkedIn on very, very little Facebook, uh, I, although I do technically have a professional Facebook page. I don't use it anywhere nearly as much as I'm active on LinkedIn, because so, I think I've only got like maybe – I don't know, 80 friends or something on, on Facebook and 13,800, whatever it is, followers on, on LinkedIn. Um, so, you know, you can see how the stats, the stats are stacked <laughs> to the favor of the one and the, and the, the less of the other. Absolutely. And um, so I'm, I'm curious now, obviously um, there's so many IT professionals out there uh, so mm -hmm. many people out there knowledgeable in the field. I, I was curious, what is your competitive advantage as an IT uh, aficionado, so to speak? Okay. <laughs> oh my! Well, that, that's that's an excellent question, Luke. Um, uh, well, you know, one thing. Um, all right, I I've been at this a very long time, Luke. I mean, I I know what works, I know what doesn't work, and I know how to make something work if. It doesn't, okay? <laughs> I've been around the block a few times. I've seen it all. Well, maybe not everything, but quite a bit, yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that if you give a monkey uh, a hammer, okay, any trained monkey, you give him a hammer, sooner or later, you give him enough time, he's going to figure out what to do with that hammer, okay? And I'd like to think I'm maybe a little bit uh, smarter than a monkey, so as long as I've been at this with a hammer, I finally figured out what to do with it, you know? I mean, I've, I've dealt with micromanagers, lazy managers, hustle-bustle managers, uh, hands-off managers, great managers, awful managers, tremendous managers, like, well, the amazing one I have now. Um, I, I, I've learned how to get along with people, you know, to – uh, to draw out their best qualities, to, to figure out 
which person can do which part of what job the best way and delegate to that person to play up to their strengths and uh, minimize the weakness and play up to the strengths. Um, I know how to take a process apart, figure out how it works, and then put it back together again better than what it was before. Um, I've, I've learned the hard way, the hard way, how to deal with both credit and blame, and that is deflect and accept. That is deflect the credit and accept the blame, not the other way around. To the extent that I can continue doing that, I'll stay out of trouble. Um, my, my work ethic, okay, my, my work ethic is that you're supposed to give 120%. 100% isn't good enough for me. I have to give 120%. My very best and maintain the absolute highest possible integrity, okay? When you cheat your boss, you're only cheating yourself. And in my book, an expectation is a thing you need to exceed, not a thing you meet, okay? Um, I'm passionate about what I do, and, and given the chance, I'm going to communicate that passion and hopefully ignite that same passion in those around me. That's that's just me. What you see is what you get. But really, more than anything else, um, you, you know, you alluded, uh, and I, we, you and I both alluded to my faith, uh, that's that directs and, and influences and, and inflames, not inflames, uh, ignites my overall, overall philosophy, my overreaching philosophy. And that is, as a Christian, I am absolutely going to do my dead-level best, by the grace of God, to live by the biblical principles that challenge me continually, the ones that say to me, whatever you do, do it heartily. Do it with integrity. Do it with all your might. Do it for the glory of God. And if I'm going to reflect uh, positively on the God that I serve, um, then I've got to do it by by giving my very best. You know, what impression if I claim that I worship God and I claim that I am a Christian and yet I am lazy and I don't do my very best, and I don't have the highest level of integrity with what I do, that I'm a person that you can count on, if I don't do that, what kind of reflection, one, am I going to have on my own character, two, on my own upbringing, and three, on what Christianity is supposed to be? You know, people are going to have that caricature look that, uh, well, he's just a Bible-thumping freak that has his head in the clouds and doesn't care about people, you know. I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to be said. And because I have that high motivation, because I have uh, the incentive that's even higher than, yeah, I do want to have a good reputation, of course, nothing wrong with that, but I answer to a higher power. And I think that um, drives me to do even better than I otherwise would. Now, if you want to call that a, a competitive advantage, okay, great. I just want to call it being real. I want to call it doing the very best that I have with what I've got to make sure that people that are going to get something out of me are absolutely going to get my best. They will get the best. They will get an honest shake. Um, and they will, if I'm speaking to them in a conference again, <laughs> they're going to come out of there better than they were before they were when I walked into the room. You know, that that's my drive and passion. And, and again, if you want to call that a competitive advantage, then then so be it, because it's who I am, it's what I am, it's what I do, it's why I do it, and it's 
how I'm going to keep on doing it by the grace of God. So help me, God, uh, until I drop dead and I'm off the face of the planet. So that's uh, – uh, call it what you want, but yeah, I guess you could call it a competitive advantage, and hopefully uh, it'll work in my favor, and more importantly, in the favor of uh, those who are kind enough to, uh, uh, to give me the honor and privilege to serve them. Well, that was fantastic, and uh, you know, uh, there's a lot to to, uh, to grab from there. And you mentioned before that you've been around the block, you, you've seen a lot of things, and you mentioned I remember you, remember, you mentioned the words forty years that you've been doing this. Mm-hmm. And yep. Obviously. Quite Ever since a long I was time. two. No. <laughs> yeah, right. My wife and I have been married com- coming up on 38 years uh, in, in June. And uh, uh, I like to tell people, uh, yeah, she was, uh, I was a bad person. I married her when she was 10, you know, so <laughs> that way they don't think she's older or I'm older or whatever. <laughs> well, congrats on that. 38 years of marriage. Is Thank you, sir. Quite a, a Thank beautiful you. Beautiful thing. And but you also talked about how you're a people person, and you know I, I heard the phrase somewhere. I think Bill, that someone told me Bill Gates had said that you could have the high tech, but you always have to have the high touch. Uh, you know, Ooh, I like that. You like yeah. yes, and yes, <laughs> I have a lot of those. Yeah, so, um, I do too. <laughs> yeah, great, You've great, already heard wonderful. some of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but you also talked a lot about deflect and accept when it comes to credit and blame. I, I, I think that's amazing. Um, that's great. And, um, and you know, it's, it's clear that you live by the philosophy that you overpromise and um, you, you overdeliver, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't do under underpromise. Right? Yeah. Promise more than you do. Del- no, uh, let's see. Deliver more than you promise, <laughs> promise less than you deliver. Okay. That's, that the way that I like to say, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, but right. under promise and over deliver. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do the over promise and over deliver, but maybe it came right. up. Well, no, that's you. okay too. That's okay too because you you want to set high expectations. Yeah, um, you, you aim for nothing, you're going to hit it every time. But if you set high expectations, uh, then people know that they can expect the very best from you. Then to myself. Whatever high expectations I set of others, I'm going to set higher expectations of myself, and I'm going to try to exceed those, again, with the philosophy of the expectation is a thing you exceed, not a thing you meet. So you should start, you know, if I'm already starting off with a high expectation, that gives me a tall order, and that essentially is, again, by the grace of God, (laughs) it's going to keep me on my A game. I don't always deliver, but at least... I'm going to try. At least that's what I'm shooting for, and I'm going right. to hit higher. The higher I aim, the higher yeah. I'm going to make. Absolutely, and you know it, it reminds me of Grant Cardone's 10x. You know, <laughs> multiply your goals by 10, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. If you if you um, if, so he, he wrote a whole book about it. It was great, and so you know that it, it reminds me of the saying that if you you know, you aim for the moon, even if you miss, you, you, you get the stars or something to that effect. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> You're certainly yeah. not going to have your face in the dirt anyway. <laughs> right. As long as you keep yourself out of the dirt, that's good. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and it, it's great, and it's it's always good to, you know, to set high standards and whatnot. Yes, sir. And to yes, never sir. sell yourself short. And, you know, you mentioned how, you know, you have that work ethic. You know, you don't want to be lazy. You know, and and your faith also helps to motivate you as well. And, 
and you talked about giving 120 percent, uh, <laughs> not 100 <laughs> percent, but 120, going that yeah. extra extra mile. And so, you know, I absolutely think that's amazing. And you you also talked about you know having that passion, that drive, and whatnot. And you know what you are here on earth to do. You know what I mean? And and yeah, doing sure. it. And you know, the Mark Twain once said, "Everyone has two birthdays: the the day they were born, and then the the day they they find out why." And you know both your birthdays, I'm sure. <laughs> I love <laughs> so. it. That's I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old Samuel Clemens. I love it. Yes. And uh, so you know, and it and it's amazing. And obviously, um, you know, you're out there. You know, you have that that book smarts, that street smarts to to work with people and to work with teams and whatnot you, you've worked with all types of folks and um and so you use that obviously that knowledge to your advantage that experience and whatnot and also still have the mindset of a student while you're still learning even though you know so much but you're, there's so much more for you to learn of course um mm-hmm. so it's an amazing competitive advantage uh, that you have and um i'm, I'm curious now uh, what key advice would you give to folks uh, who want to do what you do? Any young people that Ooh. listening to you speak? And then, you know, and also let's throw in particularly people of color who may be intimidated mm-hmm. by the oh, IT yes. field, um, you know, and to say that may not be for them. Um, but obviously this goes for anybody. Like what, what key advice would you give to folks who, who want to get into this realm? Well, I tell you what, Luke, you're 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 bringing out the you're bringing out the teacher in me. I'm going to put on my educator hat, okay? Because I, when I when I talk about this sort of thing, I like to distill it down into bite-sized chunks. I like to make things um, easy for people to remember. I do that when I speak. I do that when I talk. I mean, excuse me, when I if you're speaking, you're talking. No, I mean <laughs> when I'm speaking at conferences. I mean. And I do that in regular conversation too, in lessons and stuff. And so, um, I have, um, I guess I develop a, a, a philosophy that, that under, that's under the underpinning of, of this dedication, this drive to excellence or something, whatever. I call it, uh, the three L's. Okay. Try to keep to the three L's. That's learning, loving, and living. How's that to make it easy to remember, right? <laughs> so briefly, um, uh, let's see what I say. Learning, loving, and living. Yeah. Okay. First of all, learning. All right. Look, the only way that you're going to be able to de- deliver business value, especially in IT, is if you know your stuff. Okay. Know your data. Learn what you're doing with it. Learn your business processes. All right. And when it comes to data, if you're looking at a large number of reports and you're trying to tease out some sort of meaningful pattern to drive your decision making, right? If you see some anomaly in that pattern that just doesn't look right or it doesn't fit what you're expecting, you need to question it. You need to dig deeper. Look at the underlying data. Always be learning something. You know, you might, oh, well, I'm a manager. That's beneath me. So I have to get bogged down into the weeds with that level of detail. I pay other people to look at that type of stuff. Okay. All right. Well, maybe you do. And, and okay, fine. I, I'm all for delegating responsibilities, you know, for, for those details, right, to, to, to other people. So that you as the leader, the manager, whatever, you can concentrate on the high-level strategic picture. I get that, yeah. Uh, but look, when it comes to delegating, listen, there's a difference between delegation and dereliction, right? Delegation is when you've entrusted others to handle details. But you yourself 
still know that you're the dude or the dudette, the lady. You're the person who's ultimately responsible. And you still need to have a working knowledge of the underlying business processes that are expressed or quantified or summarized or, 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 or amplified by the data. Okay, um, dereliction, just the opposite of delegation, that's where you're derelict in your duty. You know, you hear the military talk about he was derelict in his duty. He, was, he left his post, right? Well, you give it to somebody else, but then you disengage yourself from the equation. You, know, you take your hands totally off the steering wheel or your finger off the pulse. You get whatever metaphor you want to, you want to use here. Um, and you remain totally clueless, right? With that attitude, you say, I'm not going to worry about learning it. You're just inviting disaster over for dinner. Okay, you are not going to deliver business value. You're not going to be learning. Okay, so dereliction leads to uh, disengagement, right, because you're not going to be engaged, whereas delegation need, leads to discovery. So stay engaged. Um, um, stay with the program. Be in the know. That's learning, okay? Uh, let's see, what's it? Le- loving, all right? Loving is the second one, the L, loving. You've got to love what you're doing. Um, maybe another way of saying it is to be, be passionate about your organization, which in turn is going to drive you to have the necessary dedication to make sure you've got the right chess pieces in place, right, to, um, uh, to deliver that business value that, that we've been talking about, okay? Um, uh, uh, you, you quoted um, uh, uh, whoever it was, uh, uh, Elon Musk or what? Yeah, it's Steve Jobs. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, yeah, Steve Jobs. He, the the only I think it was Steve Jobs who said this. The, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Okay, I am a firm believer in this, Luke. Along with the adage that a job worth doing is worth doing right, and if it's something you care about, you can do it even better. Okay, this passion once you start it, it's infectious. Okay, it's going to benefit the team that reports to you if you're indeed you're in leadership, right? Uh, or and it also be your peers for for those who aren't in leadership. So what are you going to do? You're going to motivate others to give of their very best to see if if their leadership is setting the example and doing the same. They're going to do their best if they see the leadership do the same. See, it's going to intensify your focus. Um, it concentrates your effort. Um, it enables creativity and then stimulates others to be creative as well. You know, think about it. Okay, if you're going to be an effective leader, the team you lead needs to see you as the person who's out in front, right, who is the first one to give that 120% I was talking about, the, who, who keeps morale high, uh, produces quality work, and exceeds those expectations we were talking about. Okay, that's loving. Okay, let's see what I say, learning, loving, and living. All right, the third one, lastly, living. Okay, does the work you do add practical value to life? Okay, does it help people to make a decision, answer a question, or solve a problem? How do you add value? What practical, actionable benefit is there from, if you're in data, for instance, relying on the data that you're producing? Uh, or the way it's fulfilling the, um, the, 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 the mission, vision, and goals of your organization. Um, Luke, this is where ru- the rubber meets the road, all right? This is where you can tell the difference between fact and fiction, between form and function, <laughs> you know, between 
something that's, that may or may not enhance the bottom line and something that's going to make the, 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 your team better off in the long run. Okay. So keep yourself a step ahead and a cut above. And I think it's important to view it with this mindset and live it. So yeah, that's, that would be my advice. Um, to, to get to this point, stick to those three L's, man. Learning, loving, and living. Amazing. And again, thank you so much for that. So again, those three L's, you know, learning, loving, and living it. And you talked a lot about when it came to learning and, and delegation and, um, and, and whatnot. Um, you know, there's an old saying that the buck stops here. You know, yep. so even if you, <laughs> you're a leader and you delegate, you know, you still have to find, know what's going on to know how to, you know, many business owners know how to do everything. So, um, mm-hmm. so they know how to get the right person to do something, and uh, right. you know, and they and nothing is beneath them, you know. No task is too small. A lot of leaders work 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 themselves, you know, got to their role by working all the way from the bottom to the top, and so they don't. They never have the attitude that anything's beneath them, and that uh, the they good ones anyway. Delegate, right? And so, you know, you talk about delegation versus dereliction. Right, and um, there's mm. a there there's a difference. There's a, a fine yeah, line between both. And you also mentioned um, the idea of loving what you do. There's an old saying that if you love what you do, you never have to work a day in your life. Um, yes, you know you've heard it before, and it's so definitely true. If you're going to do yeah, a I don't job, know who yeah. that's right. I don't know who originally came up with that. I don't know if it was Bill. They say it was, I think I've heard it said that it was Bill Gates, but I don't think it's original with him. It, might, it sounds like something he might say, but I'm, I'm sure it's not original with him. So I'm not even going to try to pretend to, <laughs> to say I know who said it. But yeah, that old adage, you're right, it is. And so, yeah, and, and definitely, because, you know, it, 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 it sucks when you do a job that, you know, you don't love. You know, um, it's yep. very tough. You know, they say the most common time people have a heart attack is Monday morning because they hate their job. And, you know, you don't <laughs> want to live life that way, you know. Uh, believe it or not, right. it's true. And so, and then, you know, I was watching Oprah, uh, Oprah Winfrey, when she, when she had her show on ABC, and she, she once said that she did what she did because she loved it and the money was just a bonus. And you find that uh-huh. to be true. For many people, like many musicians, will say they do the same thing. They love music, and the money they earn is just a bonus. And because loving what they do is what keeps them at it. You know, helps them to persevere. If they didn't love what they do and they just did it for other reasons, uh, it wouldn't really work. You know, so um, you definitely have to love what you do in order to thrive and go far with it. I would imagine, right? Uh, particularly in the beginning yep. when it's not paying that much, right? So, <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> And uh, and you talked about that third L living, um, you know, so important. Um, you know, obviously when you do a thing right and other people see it, it helps to inspire them. And, and you, you're sort of like a, a role model uh, for those folks. And I'm sure you're a role model yourself for all the uh, for the kids out there. I'm sure uh, who who know you, who follow you, and whatnot, and see I what tried. you're doing. Yeah, that's kind of you to say. I don't always hit that mark, but I, I certainly do try. Okay, right, and and I'm sure you know you do. You're succeeding. I think be beyond just trying. I think you're you're really really getting there. <laughs> you know, going very Thank far you, in sir. terms of inspiring folks. That's so, very kind um, of you to say. Thank you. 
No, you got it. And um, I, I'm curious now, obviously you've given us a lot of great advice, a lot of great wisdom, and you've shared your kind of biography with us and whatnot. And uh, I was just wondering what uh, uh, book recommendations do you have for folks? And and because uh, I'm sure you, you're someone who loves to read a lot and uh, love to know which um, books, authors, gurus, um, even uh, podcasts you might listen to and, and whatnot for inspiration. Ah, okay. Um, well, there's a oh gosh, there's there's a lot of books. Um, <laughs> um, one one that really stands out to me. Um, it's um, it's a leadership book. Okay. Um, it's um, your leader your let's say your leadership legacy. That's it. Your leadership legacy. It's subtitled Be the Leader That You Were Meant to Be. Right? It's written by um retired lieutenant colonel in the army, or maybe it was a full bird, I think. Um, um Colonel Oakland McCulloch. Uh I think you spell it M C capital C U L L O U C H. McCulloch. The H is silent on the end. Oakland McCulloch. He goes by Oak. Um, it's a phenomenal book. I mean, it's not a very long book, but it's a great read. Um, bite-sized chapters, uh, each of them contain discussion questions, key takeaways, reflections, and, and a place for you to add your own notes if you want. I'm, uh, uh, I bought it about, oh, probably about eight months ago, and I, uh, it's, it's just a phenomenal, fascinating book. I highly recommend it. Um, the, um, for me as a Christian, of course, there's no book better than the Bible. I mean, I, I, I got to say that, um, you know, whether people believe it or not, to me, it is uh, it is an inexhaustible source of inspiration and strength and wisdom and uh, pretty much anything and everything. Uh, my rule of faith and practice as a Christian, uh, still the best-selling book of all time, they say. And um, uh, as the as the American Express commercial used to say back in the 80s, uh, don't leave home without it. <laughs> so um, the, that's what I say. There's nothing I can compare with it. But, you know, from a professional standpoint, though, the, the your leadership legacy is one that's had a pretty good impact on me uh, in recent years. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to write a book myself. You know, um, I've. I've been asked, you, you, you know, I think probably the eighth or ninth person who's asked me about that. Uh, I don't know if it'll be an autobiography, probably not an autobiography, but it'll probably be about driving decisions with data or making data come to life or somehow, some way, I'll try to do it in a way that's going to weave my most popular keynote speaking topics into a unified theme and, you know, weave it into something like that in some something that will hopefully uh, people will find that it's worth their time to read. Um, I don't know. I've written magazine articles and things, and I've got quite a bit of material, and uh, maybe I've got enough to start trying to put a book together, but it's very time-consuming, and um, I don't know how quickly I'll get to it, but you'll see. Maybe maybe one of these days, um, one of these days. All right. Well, that's amazing, and thank you so much for the book recommendations. And um, sure. just so you know, writing a book <laughs> is, is not as hard as you think. Um, you know, if you 
uh, obviously do maybe a couple pages, you know, a day or here or there, and then over time. Um, so it's not as laborious as, as one might uh, expect it to be. And uh, and I think so with your knowledge. I think a book by you would be great. I I, I would I buy it and read it. So you have at least one customer right <laughs> Thank there. Thank you. So you got well, I appreciate that. You, got you, and, uh, 30, yeah, you and 30,000 more, and I might just break even. <laughs> they you say that it, a person man. writing, yeah, a person writing their first book doesn't do it to, uh, uh, doesn't do it to make money. They do it to make a point, you know. Um, and I, I think that's probably, you know, what I, uh, what I would do. But yeah, that's a little bit of time, as you say it. I mean, how do you eat an elephant one piece at a time? So if you, just like you're breaking down big goals, you know, you break it down into, um, you know, ones that are sensible and achievable and, and uh, bite-sized, if you will. And, and I suppose looking at writing a book in, in that light as you have your thoughts, uh, put them down, uh, accum- and they start accumulating, and then you go back and look at them all, call out what's repeated, uh, put it together into a cohesive uh, line of thought, just like putting a program together, just like putting a, a keynote, more like the the longest keynote that's ever been, you know, uh, longer than the longest Senate filibuster on the planet, right? Um, only it's meant to be read, not spoken. But uh, yeah, I, I guess if you look at it that way, um, you know, I might, I might just do it. You're, you're kind to say that that you would buy one. Thank you. I, I, I got to figure out what I'm going to call it. Probably, I'll probably call it bringing data to life. Uh, after, I'll name it after one of my, uh, one of my presentations. It's one I'll be giving that as a, uh, as a keynote this summer in, in Germany at a Developer Week conference, which is going to be quite a bit of fun. <laughs> Wow, amazing! That's incredible, and uh, you know that uh, I, I may have helped inspire you to write a tome yeah. or a book. Um, so, um, yeah, so definitely keep me updated on that. And um, yes, sir, I, I, I will. Yeah, and uh, I'll definitely check it out and read it. And uh, I'm curious, um, you know, now that I, I may have helped inspire you to write a book, would you ever start your own podcast? Oh wow. Uh well, you know, I I've been a guest on dozens of podcasts over the last couple of years. I'm surprised. I it, you know, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've discovered they've been around for a long time. I probably uh probably would have been a whole lot more. Uh and you know, I've got a number of hosts that are waiting for me to come on their shows. I mean, you know, it took a while for you and me to get together and you know, be on your uh, amazing program. Um but um starting my own, well, in a way I've already I didn't really start my own. Uh, I am a co-host um, on a uh, monthly 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 talk show. I don't want to give a shameless plug or anything, but a monthly talk show called Mind to Mind, uh, co-hosted with Tiffany Neil- Tiffany Nielsen. And uh, you know that that's close enough for me. Uh, is being a co-host with somebody else who's it's actually their show and I'm co-hosting with them. It's not my show that they're co-hosting with me i'd rather it be the other way yeah. uh, starting one up on my own is something i never really thought about it um and, and i never really thought of it as being likely i mean and as busy as i am with everything else i probably wouldn't have time for if anything it would be continuing uh the monthly talk show that i'm on that, that i co-host now uh initially they wanted it to be a weekly show um, and if it gets picked up by a network or something, then yeah. 
it, so if anything's going to expand, it would be the show that I'm already uh, co-hosting. If if there's any plan to expand it and make it make it air more often, then um, that's probably about the extent of it. I yeah, I can't see myself. Um, uh, hosting a, a, pod sh a podcast of my own and have to produce it myself and everything else. So I'm content with either being a guest on great shows like yours uh, or uh, co-hosting uh, Mind to Mind myself. Oh, I, I, I totally get that. And and obviously um, you mentioned that you have a show that you co-host that comes out monthly. Um, definitely want to mm -hmm. uh, check that out. And you also mentioned you have a monthly newsletter, right? Um, so yes. There the Patriot News. Yeah. Yeah. I interview yeah, that's that's the other yeah, and if you want to call that a pod it's not really a podcast because the interviews that I do are of high level military officials, uh, and that's only like four times a year. Uh and and those uh aren't released to the public. They're mostly released to um uh the readership our you know, our subscribers uh, on the uh, on the monthly newsletters called the Patriot News. Our my church has a military ministry, um, and uh, it's dedicated to uh, being a help to those either who have served or who has family have family or friends who have served, or just have a general interest uh, in all things military. And so um, you know we highlight uh, benefits, we uh, highlight issues and struggles. Uh, there, um, there's a segment on terms, slang, jargon, acronyms. The military is all about acronyms like alphabet soup. Um, I have a segment in there called Did You Know that highlights little known facts. Um, you know, 10 things you didn't know about the 4th of July, 10 things you didn't know about the Navy. Um, what are all the possible medals that you can get? Um, and, and how would they uh, rank in order of uh, uh, prestige and so forth. Speaking of rank, uh, all the different ranks in the branches of the U.S. military and, and what's their origin, how did they, how did they come to be, um, the, the different types of camouflage and how they came to be, um, uh, where did you get the term gung-ho, uh, and, uh, you know, what's the story behind that, uh, why are Marines called leathernecks or jarheads, um, respectfully, of course, because you don't want to get slugged by one, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, where did hua and huya and ura, you know, where did all that come from? That sort of thing. Um, and a segment on um, this year or this day in military history where uh, we pull out little segments of what happened uh, for the month of December, you know, uh, December 3rd. 1822, this happened in military, you know, whatever. Um, so it's a really, uh, it's not very big. It's only like four pages, but um, uh, it's it's something I really enjoy enjoy doing. Um, very thrilled working with uh, uh, Colonel Steve, the, uh, who's in charge of it, retired Air Force Colonel, amazing man, wonderful mentor. Um, and it's, if that were to if we were I guess if you you were talking earlier would I ever host a show? We have actually toyed with the idea of doing a, an online version of the monthly Patriot News and turning each issue into a sort of a podcast um, where um, Colonel the Colonel and I would have the banter back much in the same way that uh, Tiffany and I have our 
back and forth banter on that other monthly show that if anything, yeah, that might be something that um uh, that I might do. So I'm glad you mentioned that about the monthly newsletter. Thank you. <laughs> that that might turn into uh a monthly military news show uh, of some sort. Um you know, that would be the uh, pod, uh podcastification of the newsletter. If that's Amazing. a word. Yes. And it should be a word, just like podcast it is should a word be. and yeah. That's right. Yeah, podcastification. The act of yeah. turning something that is not a podcast into a podcast. Podcastification. It should be a word. Absolutely. I'll talk to Webster about it. <laughs> yes. And uh, definitely I would love to check it out. Um, even if it stays in newsletter form, I'd, I'd love to read it and know about that history and where all those terms and phrases and yep. cheers and chants come from. And Because uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of history, particularly American history. Um, yes. So I'd love to uh, know about that. And um, it's interesting. You talked about uh, talked a lot about um, possibly. Uh, well, first you mentioned the possibility of a network picking up the show. I hope a network does pick up um, your monthly show that you do, and perhaps maybe they pick up this podcastification of this military show. <laughs> um, you know, that'd be incredible. I, I would definitely watch it, even if, if that doesn't happen. I'm still. Uh, obviously read and take a look and you know and when it comes to the military you know i'm uh, as as we all should be i'm very grateful for their sacrifices and you know, obviously, yes and memorial day is coming up and yes. so uh, so and uh they uh, you know that's a holiday where we celebrate all the, the vets that we lost and um so i'm definitely um gonna um you know say a prayer and and, and keep them in mind and amen you know, Yes, and I've also been to Arlington National Cemetery and paid my respects there. Yes, um, sir. And my uh, wife so, and I went a few years ago, and it's it's a very uh, no, not a few, quite a no, wow, probably about uh, twenty five or thirty years ago. I need to go again. Uh, yeah, and it was quite moving to see. You know, some uh, what is it that they, that the I don't know. There's no person who said this, but uh, uh, all gave some, but some gave all. You know, and and we honor them all, but especially on Memorial Day, yes, honoring those who gave, who paid the ultimate sacrifice, gave, you know, paid for the for our freedom with their blood, reminding us that freedom is not free. Uh, it was it's very costly, and we would do well to honor honor those and remember those who did uh, uh, pay with the uh, the full their full measure of devotion. As uh, Abraham Lincoln once said. Yeah, absolutely, and um, you know I couldn't have said it better myself. And so uh, it, it's definitely something, and not just on Memorial Day, but every day we should keep True. them in mind. That's right. Memorial Day yeah. is just a day that we set aside to particularly and specifically. Uh, right. That good hit the nail on the head. Yes, sir. That it, it ought to be something that uh, uh, that we don't forget the price that was paid for our freedom. Yes, uh, it's amazing. And um, so uh, now, um, you know, as we're, we're wrapping up, I, I, I would love for you to uh, describe, you know, all the ways that people can reach out and, and, and get in touch mm-hmm. with you and whatnot. Sure. And perhaps follow you on, on LinkedIn or whatnot. Yes, sir. Ab- absolutely, Luke. Thank you so much for asking that. So uh, uh, we're talking about shameless plugs here, but it's not shameless when the host 
asks you for it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, yes, uh, you, you mentioned LinkedIn. Yes, sir. The the best way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. I'm at linkedin.com forward slash IN, like everybody else's, forward slash J.W. Perez, P-E-R-E-Z. That's the best way to reach me. Um, my personal website is at drjoeperez.com. That's doctor abbreviated D-R, that is. Uh, there's no dot. <laughs> D-R Joe D-R-J-O-E-P-E-R-E-Z, all one string, drjoeperez.com. Um, YouTube, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe. I'm, uh, I'd like to grow that a bit. You get some snippets, uh, video clips of me speaking at uh, different conferences, uh, clips of me appearing on different podcasts. Uh, not to, you know, uh, trounce your competition or anything. <laughs> Definitely the ones that are video anyway are, uh, there'll be clips and links and so forth so that you can hear what I have to say. And that's at youtube.com forward slash C, the letter C, forward slash Dr. Joe Perez data. Uh, again, just like my website, D-R-J-O-E-P-E-R-E-C data. I don't know if it's case sensitive or not. I didn't think of that, but I did put it in there. Uh, you know, camel case where the D in doctor, the J in Joe, the P in Perez, and the D in data uh, is all capitalized. But you string it all together as one word, Dr. Joe Perez data, on the end of the URL there for YouTube. So YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Dr. Joe Perez data. And then for my speaking topics, my bio, and my speaking itinerary, for those that would be interested in uh, – you want me to be a speaker for your conference or your church or your um, your organization, your business. I do training seminars and things like that. Um, you name it. Uh, well, you can you can see it there. It's uh, sessionized. The word session with I Z E on the end. Okay, sessionized.com. You don't even need the www. Sessionized.com forward slash Joe dash Perez, J-O-E dash P-E-R-E-Z. So you want to book me to speak? You want to talk about what that might look like? Please just uh, send me a connection request on LinkedIn, and uh, let's talk about it. Thank you so much for that. And just so you know, all the information you provided uh, will be uh, listed in the show notes, so people will be able to see it there and, uh, awesome. and access it there. So uh, it will be there. So, um, so again, thank you so much for that, and definitely going to check out sure. the website, the YouTube. Uh, I don't mind the other podcast; that's perfectly fine. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, we're among friends here. <laughs> yeah, and um, definitely going to check out Session Eyes. Um, take a look at that if you're ever in the New York City area. Maybe I can um, stop on by and uh, you know and uh, uh, see, give a speech and whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, and. So, again, thank you so much for that. Um, definitely, yep. uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you as a guest on the show. And, well, the um, honor was you... all mine, Luke. I- I'm so <laughs> tickled to death and um, delighted uh, that you would be so kind as to ask me to uh, to be on your program. <laughs> it's It's been wonderful. You're a, you're a great host. You're a great communicator, I believe. And uh, I love the way you keep the conversation going. You know, it's like it's like talking to a friend or something, you know. So um, uh, it, this has been great for me. And, I, and I'm very, uh, very pleased and um, uh, grateful to you, sir, for um, inviting me to come on your program. 
Well, thank you so much uh, for those kind words. Um, definitely appreciate it. And uh, yes, you, you know, when those kind of that kind of praise and whatnot gives me the encouragement and the motivation to continue to do this show. So um, thank you so much. And um, absolutely, so greatly appreciate it. And um, and I guess as we wrap up, do you want to leave us with any uh, final word or send off? I would say, be kind. You never know when someone else is going through a bad place. You never know when someone who might have been short with you, what are they going through? You uh, return, you return um, evil with evil. You're only going to escalate the situation and make yourself even more bitter. Be kind, even to those who aren't so kind to you. Try to lift somebody else's spirits. Um, be real. You know, uh, what you see is what you get, and don't try to be something that you're not. Um, give the very best that you have, but let that be you, the real you. Um, whatever good qualities, whatever uh, passion that you have, uh, let it shine. Let it show. Let people see the real you and what you can do to, yeah, make somebody else's day brighter, um, but also bring more quality into the world itself and then be right. Uh, whatever it is that's right for you, uh, stand for it and don't compromise on your, on your principles. Um, and then finally, uh, be encouraged that, uh, no matter how bad things might get, hang on. And, you know, by the grace of God, we're going to make it through whatever bad times come our way. So, do the best that you can with what you got and uh, um, hoping and praying that uh, things will work for you as well. And maybe you can, uh, again, not only brighten somebody else's day, but you end up brightening your own day as well. Thank you so much for that, for imparting uh, that amazing wisdom with, with, with us all. And uh, Thank you. <laughs> You got it. I'm definitely going to be listening and re-listening to this episode. There were so many great uh, nuggets here and whatnot, and um, so very appreciative of of all for the wisdom, life lessons that you provided uh, during our conversation. Absolutely. And whatnot. Yes, so, sir. Um, you got it. And uh, I wanted to again to thank you for being a guest on the show, and I wanted to uh, thank the audience uh, for uh, listening. Um, you know, I'm sure that uh, you guys have you know, picked up and learned so much from this amazing guest that we had, Dr. Perez. And uh, so I'm going to be uh, seeing you guys in the next uh, episode. So everyone take care and have a, a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Hey, guys, before you go, just real quick, um, if you can just do me a favor, if you can head over uh, to the uh, Apple Podcast app, and if you're not there already, and if you can leave me a five-star review, that would be great. Um, if you love the show, if you can just go ahead and do that, and that will help uh, to spread the word about the show, and other people can enjoy the show as much as you do. And so if you can do that, that would mean the world to me. And also, if you want to email me uh, with any feedback or any praise or support, um, please feel free to go ahead and do that. And you can also email me to request to be put on our email list. 
so uh, we can uh, send you out emails uh, when new episodes come out. So uh, thank you very much for being a fan of the show. Thank you for listening to the show and supporting the show. So if you can do that, go out and give us a, a five-star review on the Apple Podcast uh, app. Uh, that would be great. And if you can email us so we can put you on the email list and email us with feedback and praise, that would be amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye.